0: This week on Art in the Air, we speak with Indiana Arts Commission Deputy Director Paige Sharp about programs, grants, and her own art journey. Next, we speak with Dave Micah, the new Executive Director for South Shore Arts. Our spotlight is on Alicia Hodges and her 40 to 40 photography exhibit featuring beautiful women over 40.
1: Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary, art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther, art on the air our way. Express yourself to art and show the world your heart. Express yourself heart and show the world
0: Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City.
2: Aloha, everyone.
0: We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art in the Air streams live at wvlp.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash A-O-T-A. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash A-O-T-A. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight, Alicia Hodges. Uh, she has a new project that's inspired by fashion magazines, her personal stories from her clients. She wants women to look beautiful. And she has a whole project using it. She runs a photo studio, and she wants to capture them with her camera. A project that's going to go to Women to Woman magazine, and she wants to feature many of them. Alicia, welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight.
3: Hi, Larry. Hi,
2: Esther. How are you? We're good. We're excited to hear about your 40 to 40 exhibit.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, tell us real briefly about your photography uh, business just as a whole. And then we want to get into what the exhibit is going to be about and how you're going to do that. And who, and if you're looking for people to be part of it.
3: Okay. Uh, well, my business, um, we moved here about three and a half, four years ago. And um, I mainly was shooting high school seniors. Moved into the genre of women age 40 and over. Um, for a couple of reasons, once I realized uh, it doesn't exist and um, we're just not being rep- represented at all in um, social media, you know, uh, the world. So uh, I decided to go in that niche, photographing uh, women age 40 and over. And that kind of led to my project.
0: And so what was the inspiration for this project? I mean, I thought like fashion magazines or something. What, what caused you to like look for that?
3: So what really spurred me to start this project was, um, it's not my original idea, um, it's actually something a mentor of mine mentioned a few years ago, and I kind of put it on the back burner. Um, what kind of spurred me to want to do the project was my granddaughter. She was six at the time. Um, she'd come to visit from uh, down south. We would take photos every year as a tradition. And I took a picture of her one day and loved it, immediately thought I'm going to turn it around. She's going to see the back of the camera and she's going to love it. Uh, That's not what happened. She uh, didn't smile and she said, I don't like it. I don't like the way my cheeks look in it. And she uh, said, I don't like the way that they're not like my cousins. So this kind of started my thinking process on how at six years old, uh, is she learning this, this, uh, this ability to compare herself to others. So, um, and again, something happens when we women turn 40. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's biological. <laughs> maybe it's not. <laughs> but um, we we begin to step into our own authenticity. Um, we begin to love our skin. Uh, and I felt like it's kind of backwards. We should be uh, teaching that to ourselves and our younger generations uh, when we're six, not 40. So that's kind of what spurred the project. So how did you announce it? Did you put a call
2: out for, did you, did you approve? Approach different women that you admired, maybe.
3: I did it all, Esther. I, I, I spoke wherever I could. I, you know, posted on social media. Um, I, I did it all everywhere that I could could talk about this to women. Um, you know, I, I, I did, and uh, I mean, it's just been amazing. It's just been an amazing turnout of women.
0: And so, you someone's interested in the project, and we'll talk about websites and things later, you're looking for what age range and things like that. And, you know, uh, give us kind of a focus if someone wants to be part of four. Or do you have all
3: 40 right now? You know what? I do not have all 40. Um, I have about 10 slots left to fill. Um, it's been an ongoing project because, for some reason, I decided it would be a good idea to start it during the pandemic. But anyway... Um, yeah, we, we like to feature women uh, ages 40 and over. So 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Um, you know, I want these women to step in front of my lens, share their stories, um, you know, that, so that the stories can ripple out and empower other women, um, you know, just affect others in a positive manner. It's, it's what we women really need, and especially at the age of 40 and beyond. Uh, for some reason, we begin to uh, disappear and, uh, you know, from social media, from from everywhere. It's just kind of odd when it's the best time um, of a woman's life, in my opinion. So can
2: you describe the experience that
3: they will have? Like what
2: when somebody first approaches you, what you know, can you just describe the process?
3: Sure, sure. Um So if you're interested in being a part of the 40 over 40 project, you can go to my website. I have an application that you can fill out. Um, It has questions like uh, what's prompting you to want to be a part of the project. Now, most women have uh, a story that they want to tell something major has happened in their life. And then again, some people are just like, this sounds amazing. And I want to celebrate myself for right now. And, and that's kind of, you know, the application process Um, from there, we get on a phone conversation. We talk about, you know, what do you want to see in your photos? How do you want to feel? Um, I provide professional hair, makeup artistry. We do a wardrobe consultation, a custom design session for you. You know, if you want to have your photos taken in something beautiful, red tulle gown, flowing with hair, blowing like Beyonce, you know, we're going to do it. Um, It's mostly about sharing your story, reminding you of the beauty that you have right now and, and sharing that with um, you know, with with the world.
0: well, go ahead and give us the website at this point, so how they can get in touch with you. And are you going to end up with an exhibit, an actual exhibit that goes into a gallery?
3: Sure, sure. website is alicia and there's a tab at the top that says forty over forty where you can apply. And one hundred percent, we are um we're going to have a gallery exhibit. The entire project is going to culminate in this gallery exhibit. Um, Each of the women, I'm going to have a large portrait that I choose from their sessions Um, going to be printed and displayed in this gala exhibit. And uh, women are going to come with their partners, their spouses, their friends, their whoever, and and just really um, enjoy that common bond of being a part of this project. I'm going to include um, a magazine that I'm putting together as a gift, and it's just going to be a wonderful time.
0: Very good. Give us that website one more time as we wrap it up here.
3: Sure. It's alishahodgesportraiture.com. Click on the 40 over 40 tab and apply. Beautiful.
0: Very good. That's a great project. Uh, Alicia Hodges, uh, alishahodgesportraiture.com, Women to Women Project 40. She wants to make you be beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your project on Art of the Air Spotlight.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
0: You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP, 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM. And we'd like to welcome to Art in the Air. She serves as deputy director now for programs at the Indiana Arts Commission, uh, where she oversees and directs and manages all the institutional programs and statewide services, grant programs, uh, which both Esther and I have been involved with, both as panelists and facilitators. She graduated with the BFA from the School Arts Art Institute in Chicago and uh, many, many other things. So we want to find all about her. Welcome to Art in the Air, Paige Sharp.
4: Thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here, Paige
0: What we always like to start off with, Paige, is we want to get a feel for everything. How I like to say is how you got from where you were to where you are now. So, tell us all about yourself.
4: Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, Well, I grew up in Indiana. I grew up in West Lafayette. And so, right in the neighborhood, it feels like, was pretty university. So, I really appreciated uh, growing up in a university town and uh, getting to know such a diversity of students um, since we had, um, you know, professors and folks from all over the world, which was a really uh, a great opportunity to connect with and learn from so many different individuals. And I don't know that early on, I was really that interested in the arts, but in high school, I got involved with it and I just absolutely loved it. So I started taking classes at Purdue when I was a, I think a sophomore in high school. What type of classes did you take? Well, I took like, uh, you know, painting classes, drawing classes, things like that, you know? And then over the years I just was really into the arts and my parents took me to a portfolio day at Heron um, and I was accepted on the spot with a scholarship so I ended up going to the Art Institute of Chicago and um, the portfolio day was for all kinds of institutions and so that's where I, I really connected with so Chicago was a really fascinating place you know it's a uh, growing up in Indiana, which is really flat and rural to <laughs> being in a space where all these buildings limit your line of sight. And I just, it was like fairy tale land. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so great. So I ended up going to the Artists of Chicago. I love Indiana. I mean, it's it's home. So I came back and um, luckily I had taught at the local art museum. So I went back there and I ended up Uh, running the education department at the museum back home. And, you know, like many, many Hoosiers have left the state, but just keep coming back.
1: (laughs) So I've been,
4: I've lived in all kinds of different places, Chattanooga, Tennessee, International Falls, Minnesota, um, but continue to come back. Eventually, you know, I, I started, uh, my first grant I ever wrote was to the Indiana arts commission and (laughs) I, you know, and I talked to Bobby Garver, who was a program manager there, and I just thought she was so great. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is really amazing. This grant for like a thousand dollars is it telling me work with underserved communities and partner and collaborate, and all of the things that we still talk about now. And it's many, many years later. Let's let's be real. Um, that those those values are still there, but it's an incentive to really make a difference and make meaning in in ways that really connects the arts at a broader community level. I thought that was really fantastic. So, um, eventually, I made my way to managing grants in a regional world, and then eventually to the you know arts commission. And I've been with the commission about oh nine years, maybe almost ten years, and just sort of slowly have been moving up the chain, if you will, and really focusing on how to bring access to the arts for all throughout the state of Indiana, um, being very inclusive in that design. Um, and I think I have, you know, I have a long history of, of being in the arts and I just love it so much, so passionately for visual arts in particular. That's really my jam. But all arts are, are, are something that I advocate for. So that's been a real privilege. Uh, to be in the position that I'm in and a great joy to also be on the statewide level and meet people like Esther, you, and Larry, which has been so great um, to make all those connections. Paige, with all of that, do you
2: still have time to maintain a studio practice of your own?
4: You know, I... I ended up not really continuing with painting, but I've always um, endeavored into some sort of creative something. Right now, I've been very deeply into crocheting, so more of that <laughs> traditional art form. And I just love making things for people, so I make blankets for friends and things like that. So, um, and I still draw, but I wouldn't say I would. I've continued a studio practice. At, no.
0: Uh, you followed a career path at many locations in the state and tell us a little bit about that. And the one thing I'm most interested in is you've been director of programs for the Indian Arts Commission for some time, but now you are considered a deputy director, which is I think is a promotion and uh, mm-hmm. how the scope of those duties have expanded. Right.
4: Oh yeah, you know, uh it's funny because I, I it's when I was doing my LinkedIn profile, I'm like, I'm I'm director of programs and then I became the deputy director of programs. And I it's I was like, I wonder if people think I've been demoted <laughs> to the deputy director, right? Um yeah. So in terms it's 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 more um, there's elements of vision planning. So it's more inclusive and more of a leadership level, you know, to thinking about how our programs are really aligning with strategic plan priorities, also government priorities, and, and how we can partner with other um, state agencies or external partners uh, to join uh, forces and resources uh, to deepen our impact. So it's more, um, I think, strategic than at the, de- at the director level. It's, it's more, I think, a larger footprint uh, in this position.
2: So with that, with with that, with what you just said, are you comfortable sharing any long-range plans or desires or hopes you have to facilitate both, like in the near and far future?
4: Um, I think for us right now, uh, and and yeah, Esther, I'm, I'm happy to. Right now, we're in a we're doing a bridge plan because you know our strategic plan ended, so we're kind of in between what we had and where we're going to create the next one. When COVID hit, we um, got a significant budget cut, and so we uh, put on hibernation some significant programs that were of great impact and benefit to our artists in the state. So, I think we want to see a deeper investment in artists as as we move forward. We want to bring more to the table for them, uh, since that had been decreased. Now we augmented because we were able to do so with our friends over at the small Indiana Small Business Development Center who were kind enough to share some of their CARES funding so that we could provide training for artists across the state. But um, we really wanna have um, a stronger, deeper connection on the long-term programmatically. Another area that we want to deepen is arts education. Uh, Luckily, we have established a partnership with the Indiana Department of Education to educate artists and educators on arts integration in the classroom so that if they teach both the arts and the particular classroom subject area at the same time. And so we'll also do a fellowship component to that. Uh, And then another area that we are deepening is uh, lifelong art. So, creative aging, our state of, <laughs> is wonderfully aging, and we have so many incredible citizens that are just excited to learn a new craft and get together. And so, it reduces isolation, it increases um, ha- the health uh, and well being of our creative citizens. Uh, so, those are kind of some of the areas that we're looking to deepen, along with um, I think a deepening a relationship between um, Communities and um, recognizing how to work with the arts sector for economic development. So that's a lot, that's uh, but we're really excited to to move forward and grow. So Paige, with
2: the aging, um, the art for like the aging community, mm-hmm. you already had that call out, and has that program started? Have you had the first go
4: round of that teaching experience? Yes. Oh my gosh! And they're doing so many neat things. It's uh, they've been sharing images with us like uh, uh, Roberta Wong is a dancer and she's working in Westminster Village which is a retirement village and she has been doing um, some sort of a dance with the uh, residents. I think she has a group of like 10 people. One lady brought in a, a, a bust with her um, first ballet dress, I think it was. Oh and gosh. so so the, all the stories started to come around about that. So there's it's just really connecting people in a really deep and beautiful way. So yes, it's going and it's going great. And we want to see this move beyond just a funded program um, for, um, for, that we receive funding on a national basis to something that will continue and grow over time.
0: Now, and you've had a uh, new executive director there uh, since uh, November, which we've had on Art of the Air. We've interviewed her and when she first came on. Um, okay. How's the dynamic changed a little bit, uh, you know, having uh, retirement and then uh, everything? And how that, how's that uh, changed? And her, uh, we, she had some great visioning for the program, too. But then, of course, we had the COVID thing, which we'll talk about in a little bit.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know that it's changed. The biggest change is, is, you know, what a lot of people have been experiencing, which is just turnover, staff turnover, staff change. Uh, Maya's been with us for a really long time. She's a fantastic human. She's a great leader. Um, we all love her, uh, and we're a very strong, connected, passionate team. So, um, I think, you know, working, working with Maya as a new leader is just, it's been, it's been fun and, every, you know, it's really exciting to um, reevaluate our practices and see, you know, ways that we can um, strengthen and improve and, and uh, you know, it takes maybe things to the side that aren't functioning as well. So, I mean, I think everybody's just really excited um, to do this work and move forward under this leadership.
0: And you have a great team in place down there too. Uh, that's true. Go ahead.
4: I told
2: Maya, and I'll I'll just reiterate it to you that the programming that you had during the full blush of the pandemic was so important to me personally. I mean, I hmm. I sat in on all of that. It was so interesting and so relevant, and the sense of community and the new people I met, it was very, very valuable. Are you still going to continue with these online ways where people from all over Indiana can meet? Because I think that that was, I mean, even if it was on a more casual, you know, I don't know, but those talks were really, really wonderful. And the breakouts were like, you know, life-giving.
4: Are you talking about the uh, Arts for All webinar series that we just did?
2: No, I'm talking about right from you did like all sorts of interesting, um, interesting things in the beginning, like with resources, maybe people in the. um, But there were lawyers, there were. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah.
4: You know, we, we have. We've done a little bit. We did the Arts for All um, with Dr. Lasambe, who is with um, doing United Front in Fort Wayne, and really advancing right. you know, inclusion. And that was wonderful, was really powerful conversations. Regarding moving forward, it is really interesting in terms of the dynamic of behavior. Um, there's a huge attrition rate. So we'll have a bunch of people sign up, and we're now looking at maybe 30% actually will attend. So um, we are offering it, but we're pivoting more to in-person um, than we are doing online. I think we are going to continue on landline because it is, um, it provides uh, more access. And so uh, we're looking to do, uh, I think, another series around uh, July uh, mostly because that's around final grant for time. So <laughs> that's where we kind of start to learn, oh, here's areas that we can strengthen. But Esther, I will take what you said to heart and and think about um, how we can continue that. Because uh, if there's a need and people want to still feel uh, connected and be a part of those resources, I want to make sure that we deliver on on what folks really are interested in. And-
2: it seemed like we all really inter- we enjoyed meeting each other
0: because
2: and- mm. we're from all over the state.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, uh, speaking, uh, we just want to see how COVID impacted both the Indian Arts Commission. We touched on it briefly, but also you personally and everything. We know that there's a lot of resources to keep uh, arts groups afloat and everything. But also, how did you handle that personally? I mean, you know, uh, uh, it, it was we, we actually on our program did a couple shows. We did three uh, shows in the early part of it, and then we revisited a year later interviewing artists, how it impacted them. but How did it impact Page?
4: How did it impact Paige? You know what? Paige loved it because Paige is, um, I'm an introverted extrovert. And I thought it was wonderful to be able to walk every, you know, every day at lunch and, you know, have to worry about commuting. I was still connected with people constantly. I love to be able to help people. So what an opportunity to really help people. Um, I mean, we were so... Blessed with the governor, you know, allocating funding so that we could help our sector really, really meaningfully help our sector. That was such a privilege and honor. So it was, I like new things. I, I mean, it's not that that's a good reason, but um, I guess I flourish under challenges. And I really, it was such an honor to be able to help our sector uh, during that time. I just wanted to do everything I could because I knew like our, arts and arts are, they were hugely impacted. I mean, Jimny. So it was like, okay, what can we do to help? We need to help. And so that was just, that was really, for me, that was really great.
0: Yeah, coming out of it, and you know, and we'll talk about this later. Our show was done as a live show in a studio, and COVID pushed us out of the studio to do what we do now, which is the better way of doing it. So, um yeah. But I know, like the theater at the center here at Munster Center for Performing Arts, they're still dark. They still have not uh, come back. Uh, you know, really? all, the sta- all the staff has gone. You know, it's an equity theater; it's expensive to do. So, you know, uh, very, yeah, very, very valuable So. Yeah,
2: I'm- I'm still closed down as well. So I want to take you back to childhood for a minute Mm. again. (laughs) So who were who were some of your art crushes then? Like who did you like? Even I'm I'm talking even like elementary school. If you remember then, like if you or you know, if not then high school. Did you like someone in particular?
4: Oh my goodness! So, you know, um, because I think- it changes so
2: much. You know, because I I was like I was thinking about wow, you know, where I started and where I am now with like who I gravitate toward and admire.
4: You know, I I'm gonna kind of throw a curveball, and the first person that I really fell in love with as an artist was actually Kurt Vonnegut, who of course is a writer. He's also an yeah. artist, and one of the things that really that I loved so much was. In Breakfast of Champions, which is one of his seminal books, the the writer becomes a part of the book, like he's the, I think they call it a third person omniscient but i never read a book where the the writer the author is actually one of like in the book too and talking about the characters in the book and i was like it broke a wall that i didn't know that you could break and i tell you that was that was a big deal to me then that's art right it's breaking yes, yes. down the walls and i thought oh i mean it's i couldn't stop your mind. reading yeah and then the next artist that I stumbled across was Jackson Pollock, you know, which is <laughs> I, now I draw and paint from life generally. So Jackson Pollock is a huge difference. You know, he's completely what we would call abstract expressionist or in mm-hmm. non-objective. So but again, it's it's going outside of what's normal and really exploring things that um, are beyond these traditions that these boxes that we live in you know i i still am like a relatively convert, conservative dresser but intellectually i just love that kind of stuff so those were kind of my big crushes
2: i feel the same like i've never dyed my hair but i tell you if in my mind my hair is rainbow colored you know
1: <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I feel you. I do, Esther, because if I had colored hair, then I would draw attention to myself. And I'm not that, I am not really. I don't really like that. But I will use high-key color in my paintings for sure.
0: Um, we'll talk a little bit. One of the primary things that you take care of among programs is the grant process and how that works and everything. And you know, I think some of our audience may not even know that. I know artists do that get grants. But tell us a little bit about that whole process.
4: Well, the process that we have is... You know, we will offer a grant program and we will launch it and let everybody know about it. I think the key thing is if you're an artist or a community leader or somebody in the arts in general, or maybe you're with a community organization and you would like to do an arts project, get on our electronic newsletter to learn about opportunities that are coming your way. We do have our traditional programs that we offer every year, arts organization support and arts project support. And those are generally due around the same time, which is the first week of March. So something to keep in your mind's eye to look out for. And the process is, you know, you write an application in the online system that we have and we provide a lot of resources. So utilize those resources. If there's a program manager and you have a question, reach out to that program manager. They are here to help you. Do not be afraid. Do not be intimidated. They are thrilled that you will contact them because they want to help. We are here to help the community. We are here to help Indiana thrive. So um, it's just what we do. Um, You just do the grant application by the deadline, of course. That's super important. And then we'll have some sort of panel process. And um, my sales pitch number two, if you're recruited to be a grant palace, do it. It will really help your grant writing expertise. Larry, I'm sure it can testify to that fact. And plus it's a really good public service and you learn about other cool stuff that people are doing in Indiana and you might steal and adapt those ideas. So that's my sales pitch on both fronts or three, right? Get that electronic newsletter subscription. Um Apply to a grant, call your program manager if you have any questions and become a grant panelist for the Indiana Arts Commission or one of our regional arts partners. uh, And that will really help you get you settled and acclimated to our world.
0: Yeah, the regional partnership actually is locally focused. It wasn't always like that, but for quite a few years now, that's been in place and you can go through them. And what's nice about that is what may work for Indianapolis or Evansville may not work for Northwest Indiana. And so that's a a very important part of that. So, well, Paige, future plans you have. You're you're just happy as a clam doing the Indiana Arts Commission. So tell us about any vision you have for yourself or you just might have visions doing things there.
4: You know, Larry, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, <laughs> I really need to to come up with my own vision for myself, and that, and I think that's about as far as I've gotten. You know, I think sometimes I think, oh, you know, it'd be nice to be back at the community level. Since at the state level, you know, we're largely to well, not largely this might be an overstatement, but there's a big separation between actually being with the art. And being all about the art, you know, so a big, you know, I like to be with and smell the art and be around the art and see the art. So I think down the road, you'll probably see me back down to the community level. But who knows? I do really enjoy the work that we're doing and I'm really proud of the work that we're doing as well.
0: So uh, let us know about how we can get in touch with you about the process and everything like that, and also the Indian Arts Commission, different ways to do that, website, uh, all social media.
4: Sure. So um, our website is in.gov forward slash arts, and when it comes to Facebook, I think you just query Indiana Arts Commission, and you will be able to find us no problem. We also have an Indiana Public Art Facebook page. So if you have an, uh, an opportunity to, you want to find artists or you want to promote, that's something that you could do as well. So you can reach me at, at uh, you finding my email address on the website is probably the best. But if you have a super good memory, unlike me, it's <laughs> psharp at IAC.in.com.
0: Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air, which is also supported by the Indian Arts Commission through WVLP. That's Paige Sharp, who's Deputy Director of Programs for the Indian Arts Commission, where she just shared her vision and all the things that she do. Paige, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on Art on the Air.
4: Thank you, Paige. Thank you, Esther. Thank you, Larry. It's such a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM.
2: I'd like to welcome Dave Micah to Art on the Air. Dave is the newly appointed Executive Director of South Shore Arts and the Northwest Indiana Symphony. He has a long career in executive management, primarily in banking. Dave balances all of that with an active role in community organizations and holds a deep appreciation for the arts. Aloha, Dave. Larry and I, thank you for joining us on Art on the Air.
0: Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
2: So excited for you.
0: Appreciate you coming on. Well, Dave, how we like to start out our interviews is uh, telling a little bit about yourself. I always like to say how you got from where you were growing up, college, family and everything to where you are now. So tell us about yourself.
5: Uh, I appreciate that, Larry. And it could be a long story, but I'll make it I'll make it brief. No, Honestly, we love
2: we love long stories.
5: Oh, <laughs> well, uh, I will. I'll meet you in the middle then here. And so <laughs> I, how about this? I'm a I'm a shark. Chicago kid born uh in the city uh lived there for a while but co- quite honestly grew up all over the midwest i uh you know from uh, chicago to detroit to uh, many years in lansing michigan to minneapolis and back to chicago where i graduated high school at Downers grove north went down to the university of illinois where uh in champaign urbana where i met my wife uh, we got married right out of school and uh, uh and that's how i quite honestly got into my career in banking I was my uh uh, first job out and uh, uh really uh have worked with, for two organizations my pretty much my entire uh banking career uh what eventually became JP Morgan Chase started out as a little community bank Gary Wheaton Bank um uh became First Chicago MBD Bank One, bank uh, one yes. and yes it's what brought me to Northwest Indiana was was uh when that uh, transition happened and then ultimately uh becoming part of JP Morgan Chase and so um uh that was it and then uh you know about 12 uh, 13 years or so ago um uh, mercantile bank here locally was bought by Harris Bank and uh there's a gentleman Mike Baird who uh, was president was retiring and I got this call out of the blue uh, saying hey how would you like to uh run a bank right in your backyard and I had been traveling all over the country with uh, uh Chase on uh, an acquisition and uh, was coming back and realized I'd missed two years of my kid's life, and they were all in high school at that point. And uh, so that opportunity hit home with me, and I made the transition over and uh, moved over to Harris Bank, now BMO Harris Bank, and ran the Indiana market uh, uh, for a couple of years before going on to do a variety of things. And so um, that's sort of my work background, but it was through, uh, I think, that uh, experience that, you know, coming up in banking, especially back when I started your involvement in the community was a big part of, uh, what we did as bankers. It was your connection to the community and, and it created some terrific relationships. And so I learned that, uh, at a very early age in banking. Um, uh, and I carried that with me through, you know, throughout all of my work in Illinois, uh, Ohio, Michigan, and, and ultimately Indiana, um, and got involved in some great organizations. And so, uh, uh, one of the ones with Harris that, uh, got me engaged, which is relevant to this conversation was that's how I first became affiliated with uh, mm-hmm. South shore arts, became a board member. It was one of the biggest organizations we supported financially. Uh, we, we, felt like it made a real impact between South Shore arts and the symphony in our region. And, uh, and so, uh, really engaged with John Kane, the executive director at the time and, uh, uh, that was my entree onto the board and uh, my involvement in South Shore Arts. Uh, so South Shore Arts absorbed the symphony. Were you part
0: of that movement on the board? Because, you know, they actually operated separately for many years and then came together. Yeah. And that was kind of a good melding, probably, because the symphony was having some financial issues and that
5: kind of saved them. Well, I will tell you what, a couple of different things there. One, I was not directly involved. That actually happened just prior to me uh, getting on the board. So. Symphony was already under the management of South Shore Arts. Um, and, and you got to give uh, a number of uh, uh, people in the community and organizations out there a lot of credit for uh, helping make that happen. Because there was a, a very large seven-figure financial contribution um, to really help manage the symphony and keep that going. And, you know, we celebrated our 80th uh, uh, anniversary this year. Uh, with the symphony. And I think a lot of that has to do with the community support that came through at that time. Uh, and then the efficiency that the combination of South Shore Arts managing the the symphony operations um, has really brought to it that's been able to sustain that uh, organization. And, and we hope, you know, not just to celebrate 80 this year, but, uh, you know, 120 years from now, that would be quite an accomplishment.
3: It
2: will happen.
5: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely confident. Part of my mission.
2: Well, can I take you back to childhood um, again? So in your school, um, what was your involvement with the arts? Did you take art classes? Did you favor any particular type of art yourself?
5: You know, I would tell you, to be completely honest with you, and this is one of the surprising things as I think about my career choice and and that, is I was, I was an absolutely terrible musician uh, as much as I tried that. <laughs> Um, I was probably, uh, even worse of an artist, although I was, uh, part of the artistic team for our middle school newspaper, the pink Panther at Hayes middle school. And I was the one responsible for drawing the pink Panther. So I was actually very good at that, uh, learned to do that part very well. But, um, um, honestly, no, I was a, a big reader. It wasn't until we had kids and, um, our children, we've got three, uh, all, You know, Valpo High School grads, uh, Indiana University grads, all now professionally employed, gainfully employed, living in the city of Chicago. We're happy about that. Um, But it was really through them that probably my biggest interest in the arts came through. And that was. My daughter uh, played the flute and the piccolo um, uh, all through middle school, high school, and was ultimately part of the Northwest uh, uh, Indiana Youth Orchestra for uh, four oh. years. And so I spent many Sunday afternoons over at the Center for Visual Performing Arts as they rehearsed on Sundays, uh, and really got exposed to music and and her passion for it through her. Um, and then with our kids as a whole, we we just have had the opportunity to travel. Uh, And we always made it a point to to check out all the museums we could and whether that be, you know, throughout the U.S. And quite honestly, through there, uh, you know, they were very fortunate and qualified and studied abroad. And so we tended to follow them on our 25th wedding anniversary On our 30th wedding anniversary. We went to our daughter studied in Barcelona. So we went to Barcelona, picked her up and went to uh, Paris and Rome. And then our son, uh, as part of his study, studied in London. And so we had a chance to go to London and Ireland. um, And we hit some unbelievable museums and and saw some unbelievable um, uh, places when we did that. And every time it was, whether it be the Louvre or uh, uh, Musée d'Orsay in Paris, where I will tell you, I fell in love with um, the whole Impressionist uh, era and Monet. And we even made a special trip out to Monet's. Home uh, in um, uh, Gaverne, France, and what—just uh, an incredible experience to stand in his windows, look out over the the gardens and the pond. Um, my favorite photo I ever took is my daughter standing on the bridge where the water lily was painted, and 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 just uh, <laughs> uh, just incredible. And so magical, it, yeah, it was, it absolutely was. And so my my appreciation and love of the arts didn't come from my youth, but really came from my kids. Whatever
0: it takes. Now, you bring a different kind of sensibility to uh, the Arts Center there, but also you have a very strong community involvement. Uh, you live in Porter County, and uh, you know I see in your resume here some of the things that you were involved with, Boys and Girls Club. Tell us about, first of all, how that community involvement really will help you do the job as executive director, and then also you bring the business uh, sensibility to an arts organization, which many arts organizations don't have. Uh, so tell us about some of those things, how you address those.
5: Well, I, I mean, I hope they're assets. And, and while I don't bring that strong historical arts background to this that I think many people would think of, I will tell you, I think, Larry, to your question on you know community involvement, some of the engagement, I think my... Uh, time on the board of United Way and and campaign chair for United Way here locally helped me connect with an unbelievable number of businesses and business leaders and not-for-profit agencies and organizations out there that I've got direct relationships with. Um, um, and, And that collaboration is going to be critical because I think we really have a way to bring the arts into helping enrich people's lives regardless of their background where they're coming from and how we can connect with them i think boys and girls club i was on the board there uh, for more than than 10 years um past president and everything and it was because of the programming that they do the way they engage youth, the way they provide opportunities to families and support them i just see you know i know ryan smiley the executive director there very well and i see huge opportunities for us to enrich and engage and partner through organizations like that um, to continue to to broaden the reach of the arts uh, in our communities um, as we're there and i'll go even one step further and that is i've been involved in an awful lot of economic development organizations you know uh, in, in multiple States, but including, you know, here in, um, uh, in our region with the forum being on the board of the forum, uh, on the board of the economic development corporation over in Valparaiso. Um, and I will tell you one of the things that I think people might find really surprising is that the passion for arts and leisure and the impact that that can have on a community really comes from my time as economic development. Uh, From economic development uh, out there, because, you know, when you you are an economic development professional, a, a banker, and you're looking at ways to grow a healthy community, you know, it's not just focused on employers and businesses and financing them and helping them grow. It's not just focused on home builders and helping people buy homes and doing all of that. But today to have the most prosperous and and economically viable community out there and provide the best quality of life. All of that has to be balanced with that enrichment opportunity that the arts really bring. On how do you, you know, anybody can live in a house, anybody, you know, and there are lots of organizations that help people that have, you know, food instability that they don't have uh, access to or the resources to acquire the food they need. And so you can help people eat, you can help them uh, live in your community, you can help them find a job in your community. But if you don't tie it in with programming that the arts can provide to give people an avenue, to express themselves or to, to relate to other people or just to experience life in a different way to really add to that value, you, you find communities and quality of life isn't as high. And I think it was from that lens of economic development that ultimately showed me the importance of um, organizations like South Shore Arts and the Symphony and what we do. So uh,
0: follow on is, of course, you're taking over someone who's been there 29 years, uh, John Kane. Mm-hmm. And uh the dynamic
2: John King <laughs> yes,
0: very much so <laughs> who has who has probably a little bit of a different background, but he didn't really have either a strong business background or actually mostly antique background, but uh, looking at what he's built with the organization, what do you see some of the future ways of expanding uh, like in programs or things like that? I know, and also it sounds like the economic development sustainability of the organization well,
2: and I'll add to that because. Um, so what is, what is the first things you're working on as well? No, so that ties into Larry's question. Yeah.
5: Um, uh, where to start? I, there, one, the legacy that John uh, Kane has left as executive director of this organization is, is absolutely phenomenal. It is a tremendous organization that is, you know, one of 12 regional arts partners, um, for the Indian arts commission. Um, probably, you know, one of the largest uh, regional arts partners right you know when you consider the volume of artistic programming and organizations we have between lake laporte uh and porter counties um um uh in in you know when you consider our programming around education exhibits um out there our art sales and our gift shop and our symphony um it's an organization that today has a variety of avenues on how we can connect and bring arts to our community and quite honestly support arts through our our role as the regional arts partner so um some big shoes to fill and i would say short-term priorities are this one is we're still coming out of COVID, um and it's an exciting time because we're starting to see buzz here at the for instance at our our primary offices here the center of visual and performing arts in munster Pulled in on a Sunday afternoon. We did a a reception for 22 of our artists that we represent through our gift shop uh, and and gallery here. We had them in uh, showing their wares. We also had the Youth Orchestra Gala that day. The Girl Scouts had a fashion show and I pulled in and the parking lot was just full. And it was exciting to see this building come to life again, which is for the first time in a couple of years, we just haven't seen. And so we've moved on, you know, we've taken that to the next step level. We've now expanded our hours again um, here in our gallery, um, uh, especially with our, our Tri-County, the 48th anniversary um, uh, of our Tri-County high school um, art show, uh, representing 17 high schools, four middle schools um, there. We've got... You know, hundreds of pieces of art that were hand selected by teachers at those schools to be shown at this show. And it is a phenomenal show that has thousands of dollars in awards and scholarships and prizes to these students at the end of it, uh, which happens on May 1st. And what we learned is, guess what? Last year we were 10 to 3. We had a lot of families and and patrons who wanted to see the show. They couldn't get in. So we expanded back 10 to 5 um, most days on Thursdays, noon to 7. We wanted to get evening hours in. We opened up both Saturdays and Sundays. And so I think it's really making things accessible again uh, that we're offering here. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. I think, you know, another big piece was um, really expanding our, our classes and our programming on the education side there. Um, I think you're going to see in, in the coming, uh, months and, and sessions that we offer exploratory opportunities around ceramics and all sorts of drawing and painting and, and other types of art our, our classes. But you're also going to find, um, things like master classes where if you want to go from exploratory to really building skill and taking, you know, your high school arts experience or as an adult or a professional growing to that next level programming that we really want to offer to, to create this artistic community where people can really hone their skills um, uh, out there. I think on the symphony side, we our big gala next fall is going to roll out West side story. We're really excited about this show. And not only that, but we've already made uh, arrangements and we're working with uh, Porter County to actually run out the show, not just our traditional two nights of it, but doing a third show and doing it in Porter County. And we're working very hard with um, uh, Valparaiso High School and the Valparaiso Schools to have a central place in their auditorium there to deliver uh, a third night. So for me, expanding the reach and the and and what we do and, and creating energy around the arts, again, is really my number one priority.
2: Wow, that sounds so fabulous.
5: <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. And um, then that's
0: the same thing that Kirk is doing, I think, with his other symphonies, that that's going to be like a, a concert version of West Side Story with the symphony, if I'm correct.
5: That's absolutely We're going to have We haven't worked out All the final details But a small Chorus support uh, And so we'll have A a choral support And and some great music That way And um, uh, And then all the Orchestral music Of West Side Story Which is just uh, Phenomenal Just was up for The Academy Award So we think there's Some buzz there And your point uh, Phil is affiliated With uh, the New Philharmonic and DuPage County Uh, Over there They just did this And they sold out Every night They offered it uh, we're very excited about, uh, uh, you know, expanding using our, our musicians, which is, you know, we have top notch union professional. I mean, it is an unbelievable orchestra, the talent of our orchestra. And then we've got this great community chorus and uh, and tapping uh, folks from the chorus and, and other professionals to uh, uh, to support the uh, uh, the musicians um, from uh, singing side of the performance is going to be spectacular.
0: And of course, that's very timely with West Side Story. We talked, you talked briefly about how COVID impacted South Shore Arts, but, you know, just tell us a little bit how that impacted
5: you uh, in terms of your daily life. You know, uh, for me, um, uh, probably the biggest thing was. It really, you know, banking and especially I I had worked all over. So after Northwest Indiana, I moved into uh, Chicago. I ran uh, Harris's Market in downtown Chicago, did some headquarter functions. I went up and ran in their biggest market uh, up in the North Shore, office out of, of Winneka, uh, and then went over to where I sort of grew up in banking and ran their brand, their banks out in uh, the western suburbs based out in Aprilville. Um, and I started in banking in Wheaton. So it was like going home. It was a nice way to do it. And where COVID really impacted it is driving from Valparaiso to all of those different locations. Cause my wife and I, after moving three times for work and in a very short amount of time, said we're not moving. And we've lived <laughs> in Valpo for over twenty years. It's the longest we've ever lived anywhere. And it was a great decision. But COVID made me realize uh, quality of life and you know what it was like not having to drive every day over to Illinois. Um and I had been in you know this year marked uh completed my thirty fifth year in banking and it got John and I talking last year, so the biggest impact for me of covid was recognizing there was more to life than um, uh just work, and what did I really want to do and I had always set a goal. my dad retired at fifty four back in the day when there were great pensions, and uh, I had a goal to beat him, and I couldn't do that, but I still was able to retire from banking before sixty and I don't think if COVID wouldn't have happened, I don't think I would have made that jump or made that uh, made that change.
2: Yeah, and South Store is so lucky because I really think your background will bring such richness to what the organization will be able to do. Um, and I think it was
5: brilliant. Well, you are very generous. And I would say what I am most excited about is the enrichment uh, and the opportunity it presents me to just dive deeper into something that I've scratched the surface of i've come to appreciate, but this is going to help me get to know um not just our industry but truly uh all aspects of of art. Uh, in a completely different way. And I I personally am very excited about that.
2: Right, and integrating it into the community in very (laughs) unique ways. It'll be wonderful.
5: Well, visions for
0: anything, and we're about two minutes away from wrapping up here, Dave, but, you know, any visions that you're bringing to it? I know you're you're just brand new on the job, but what you see maybe like maybe opening some remote facilities or things like that in the other areas. I know there are several of them that South
5: Shore Arts operate now.
2: Right, they have quite a few satellites.
5: You know, I would say this. I, we have some, but not as many. Um, we've got our our substation in Hammond that, quite honestly, we're really it's been closed during COVID. We really couldn't run programming. So we're going to get that thing up and running here this year. Uh, we've got our teen arts board that we're really going to task and give them a leadership opportunity to help us reimagine what we can do with that space. And so exciting stuff for that. We've historically always had a place in Crown Point, but again, during COVID, that you couldn't run programming, and we sort of released that. So, you know, getting back in at that point, not just to Crown Point, but we've got all of Lake Porter and and LaPorte County. How do we connect? And so some of that is going to be our physical presence and offering the services, but it's just as much how do we connect with arts organizations that we're, we're connected with through our regional arts partnership how do we support them in the continued outreach of all of us together to bring more art opportunity to uh, our communities?
0: We have just about a minute left. To let us know how people can find South Show Arts, either online and uh, location and everything. Oh, of course, I know that, but you know, people may just be tuning in and not know. So.
5: no. You can find out all the information about the art side of what we do, art education, our gallery, and the shows. we got some great shows, Nature Lovers, coming up this June. So you got to, not only after the high school show, but this is nine professional artists that we're going to highlight, photographers, all sorts of mediums, starting in June. You can find all of that at uh, SouthShoreArtsOnline.org. So really important, it's .org. Uh, there. So that's all the information about uh, our classes, uh, our gallery exhibits, our, our gift shop, and art sales, all there. And then on the symphony side, um, uh, it is uh, nisorchestra.org, which is all the information about our upcoming concerts. We've got uh, Uh, A concert May 5th on uh, our our movies, and then in June on iconic 70s hits, some great music coming up. Uh, All the youth orchestra stuff there, all at uh, that website.
0: Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. Dave Micah, who's now the new executive director of South Shore Arts, which also oversees the symphony. Looking forward to talking to you uh, in the future for more things and seeing you on the Regional Arts Council. Dave, thank you for being on Art on the Air.
2: Thank you, Dave.
0: Thank you, guys. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP, 103.1 FM, and Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at wvlp.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP station manager, and Tom Maloney, vice president of radio operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments and Marilyn Levan Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air, Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com slash AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so. So we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews.
1: And show the world your heart Express yourself through your art And show the world your heart You're in the know with Esther and Mary Art on the air today Stay in the know with Mary and Esther Art on the air our way Express yourself to your art And show the world your heart express yourself and show the world